The following is a live broadcast of a Lone Star Community Radio program. Recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and Facebook.com slash IRLoneStar. For more information on this show, please visit our show page at IRLoneStar.com slash shows. To sponsor or donate to this program, visit our donate page at IRLoneStar.com slash donate, or email us at lscrstudios at gmail.com, or give us a call at 936-666-1084. Lone Star Community Radio production and broadcast is possible by folks like you. So sponsor and donate today. Hey, this is Skippy from Mornings with Lone Star with Dick and Skippy. You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. everyone happy monday in june uh, yes we're having hot and sunny days but uh, we're going to have a great show today i am margie taylor your host for conroe culture news at lone star community radio in downtown conroe fm 104.5 106.1 and this is live streaming on irlonestar.com and facebook live on conroe culture news so be sure to ask any questions on uh, the facebook page if you have some that uh, pertain to the subject at matter which is covid 19 we're going to talk about that so guests today are going to be uh, Mr. James Campbell, he's the chief of VMS in Montgomery County Hospital District. And then Mr. Scott Harper, he's the major gifts officer at the YMCA of the Greater Houston area. And uh, Scott is on here to tell about his journey and his testimony of uh, recovering from COVID-19. And it's, it's true. We're only talking truth here as much as we know it. So there's a lot of things going around, uh, but... That's what we want to share with you. So this show is sponsored by Roger Stein Chiropractic, and they are located by Conroe High School in Taco Bell. And if you're a new patient, go to her Facebook page and see how she's giving back to CASA with every new patient. So a little about what's going on in downtown Conroe. As you know, everything is opened up at this point, except for the theaters are pending. And I believe that the Owen Theater, the Players Theater Group company, is uh, starting up uh, one of their shows the, later on this month. So we'll see how that goes. They're not opening it up to ticket holders right now. They're just trying to get uh, those that have already paid for the chorus line in and then, you know, keeping the uh, social distancing intact. The Crichton Theater uh, won't have anything going, I don't even know, maybe till July or so. So let's stay tuned. Go to the Facebook page, Experience Downtown Connor, to find out more about that. So something exciting that's going on, the Downtown Merchants Association is doing a pub crawl on Thursday, June 25th, as we're talking about social distancing. But I'm going to throw that out there anyway. So do, do the right thing. But that is on Thursday, June 25th from 4.30 to 9.00. There's going to be five venues, and each venue will host a live music and food and drink special during their time slot. Sip, shop, and stroll at these venues, Martins Hall, 202 Main, the Corner Pub and Deli, the Red Brick Tavern, and Pacific Yard House. And there will also be extended shopping for the non-music ven venues, and they will stay open uh, till 9 p.m. Verniel's, New Orleans Bakery and Cafe, Branding Iron Custom Goods, Bramley Jewelers, Conroe Art League, Sweet Texas Treasures, which is right across the street from here, 
in Conroe Central Market will all stay open till 9 p.m. So, you know, it's five venues, and you can walk between them because they're all real easy to get to. They'll have drink specials and live music. And you and you go, like, from 4.30 to 6 at Martins Hall, then 5.30 to 7 at 202 Main, which is the new venue on the corner of Main and Metcalf, getting ready to open. That will be their premier opening right then, right there. They're going to be a cool place. They're going to have an outside uh, area for music. They're building a whole uh, deck kind of thing out in the alleyway. So lots of stuff going on in downtown Conroe. So with that said, we're going, I'm going to uh, introduce my friends who are sitting across the table from me, socially distant, of course. Again, I have uh, James Campbell, chief of EMS, Montgomery County Hospital District, and Scott Harper is the major gifts officer at the YMCA of Greater Houston. So, Chief Campbell. Yes, ma'am. So do you want to introduce us with the PSA you have? I would love to. Thank you for having uh, me on the show this afternoon. We want to start off with a public service announcement that we were able to work with all the hospitals in Montgomery County on. It was a trend that we've noticed since COVID has started that we've, we've seen an increase by as much as 30% in out-of-hospital deaths. So this brief PSA talks a little bit about why we've seen that increase and what we can do to try to get and encourage people to go to the hospital and not wait at home. We've all witnessed the grip that COVID-19 has had on the world. Some of the hardest hit areas come with images like these. But here in Montgomery County, as a healthcare community, we have worked together to manage COVID-19. We're fortunate that social distancing and stay at home orders have been successful. But now we are facing another dangerous reality. 911 calls are down. EMS transports to our area hospitals are down. People are waiting too long. We have seen an increase in out-of-hospital deaths by as much as 30%. But it doesn't have to be this way. Your medical emergencies, just as before COVID-19, still matter and still need to be taken seriously. We are here, standing united, to make sure that you get the best medical care possible. Delays in calling 911 and getting help can have devastating and potentially fatal consequences. Although COVID-19 has changed the way we operate, it hasn't changed the way we care for our patients and our communities. We've put into place protocols informed by guidance from the CDC to ensure best possible care. You are safe in our hospitals. I am James Campbell, Chief of EMS for the Montgomery County Hospital District. Time matters in your 911 response. I'm Dr. Richard Logue, Regional Medical Director for ACA Houston Healthcare Conroe. Time matters after a traumatic injury. Don't let COVID-19 stop you from getting the emergency care that you need. I'm Dr. Jeremiah Johnson, neurosurgeon and stroke director at CHI St. Luke's Woodlands Hospital. Time matters when you're having a stroke. Don't wait to call 911 and get the care you need. I am Dr. Emilcar Avendaño, chest pain medical director at Memorial Hermann in the Woodlands. Time matters in your care after the heart attack. My name is Dr. Jason Knight, and I am the chief medical officer of Houston Methodist The Woodlands Hospital and an emergency physician. Time matters in your care when you have a serious infection or sepsis. Delays of even a few hours can have devastating consequences on your health. Don't wait to call 911. Don't wait to come to the hospital. We are here for you. Okay, and we're back. So um, thank you for showing that PSA and how all the hospitals together work to share what's really going on, that if you have any 
any ailments that are critical, you need to go ahead and go to the hospital because they do have room for you. Is that correct, they, Chief? They do. They do. And there's been some fear about you can't maybe not have a visitor when you go to the hospital, but still, if you're at home with chest pain, signs and symptoms of a stroke, shortness of breath, you need to call 911 and at least let us do an evaluation. Okay. So let's talk about what's really going on. And uh, Scott, do you want to lead us off into um, what happened to you? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, you know, I was one of the unfortunate ones that actually uh, tested positive and um, was also the one that didn't want to go to the hospital. So, Imagine. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. as I've, I've told the story before. And I started having every sim- now, um, every symptom that they call um, for COVID back in February um, during my son's uh, dinner on Tuesday, February 4th, I just wasn't feeling well. The next day... What does not feeling well mean? I I started feeling dizzy, kind of a headache, and just kind of not... I I love my uh, food, and so I kind of... We were sitting in a really nice restaurant, just lost my appetite, and just just felt like I could just feel something was was not right. And it just all kind of kind of started that evening when we were sitting there for dinner. And then the next day I left uh, work with the temperature, cough, the body aches, um, and then finally got into the doctor on that Thursday. But they weren't testing for COVID back then. So the, it was, I was I tested negative for the flu and for strep. They gave me some um, z pack and those type of things. And uh, I felt a little bit better, but something still wasn't, wasn't right. So all of March, uh, I was pretty tired and continued to cough, but I never had fever. And that was the key indicator that I was being told. Still going to work, but getting my temperature taken, but never had the temperature. Um, so Wednesday, the first, April 1st, um, I had a telemedicine call with my doctor. Um, no fever. So he treated me for upper respiratory again. And then um, Thursday, I felt worse. And my wife... Uh, isolated me on her own behalf. I don't so know if- this happened, this was going on two months later from when you first had symptoms in February? Yeah. So after talking to my doctor and different things, they, they feel that I never got rid of it um, during this, this, this whole time. So I never, you know, I just thought it was the initial part was just, they said it was probably a 48 hour flu type thing, kind of dismissed it, but I never felt right. And I, my coughs just continued. You didn't feel 100%. Time. Yeah. So then I had that that call on the first, and uh, he treated me for upper respiratory, but then I still didn't get any better with those medicines. My wife quarantined me on the second, um, and then on the third is when my I started having pains uh, in my chest and my lungs from breathing. Just the, sh- the shortest of breath caused a lot of problems for me, and then Saturday night is when it was it got worse. Um, I almost. And since being separate, I was going to text her and just say, hey, I'm going to the hospital. I don't need you to go, but I'm going to the hospital. And then instead of that, I, I drank half a bottle of NyQuil, <laughs> knocked myself out, um, woke up the next day and felt a little bit better, but still had a lot of problems Were you breathing. Uh, I'm, I don't like tight places. And so not being able to breathe kind of put me into that same kind of phobia of just being claustrophobic and, and not knowing if, if I was going to take the next breath. Um, so my, my wife had talked to some of her friends, um, some, uh, breathing specialists and upper respiratory people. And, and they said, do you have a nebulizer? And we actually did with my daughter's, um, uh, sports induced asthma. So mm-hmm. started doing that 
felt like pouring kerosene on a fire, but it I could tell it made me breathe. And it's that opening was, it up a it, little it bit. It was. More. And so I, I started feeling better and I continued to do that a couple times a day. Um, that was for that for that for that Sunday. Following Monday, my doctor uh, had another call with him, sent me to get tested. Because of the timing, I couldn't get in until Wednesday. So this was Monday morning, 8 o'clock. I couldn't get a test, uh, get me in until Wednesday. Uh, they called me that Saturday with the results that I was positive. But the next day, which was Easter Sunday, was the first day I didn't have um, any results. So it had been about a week since that burning had gone away. And uh, so I stayed in the house for another week from there and came out um, April 20th out of isolation. Um, but it was wow. pretty it was pretty interesting. So I, I, it took every ounce of my energy to get up and go to the restroom and come back. I had no energy. And a lot of that was one, I think, what they say from the breathing side of things, but then also just laying around doing nothing because I couldn't. I couldn't do much without being short of, short of breath. And then as I started feeling better that final week, um, they told me to go sit outside and just the, you know, sun sunlight was good for you. I, I tried to go to walk down and just get the mail, which is probably about a 300-yard walk from our house. I got to the corner and said, I probably need to, probably need to go back because 300 yards and you have to come back, that's 600. So uh, I came back um, and... Uh, wipe me out for the rest of the day so but then slowly I, I was able to to get back on that and so your kids your wife none of them saw you for a period of time yeah they uh they would peek in my we had a little table inside the door they would put food on it and then close it real quick and that was about the extent of our our, our contact and then the last night my wife was nice enough to bring me a whole slew of cleaning supplies um, and said she wants to play spick and span before she came <laughs> and moved Smart back girl. in yeah, she, <laughs> yeah, I give her props on that one but yeah it was it was a interesting time and uh, you know in hindsight I probably would have pushed the doctor earlier on to to test me um, the week prior when he just did the upper respiratory infection but he never never really mentioned it so it never really came up but um, you know we went another week before we actually did that. And then the interesting thing, and I think they've sped up, I kind of followed my my age and my zip code and, and the address kind of portion of, of the statistic, but I I wasn't a statistic until the following week, the following Friday, about a week and a half after um, I actually was reported. But the, the, the county followed up and uh, a few times just to make sure I was doing all right in the hospital. Um, through through my doctor, they reached out, and I've been given plasma now for the last seven weeks. This week will be my eighth week um, for the antibodies. So, wow, that's great! Yeah. So I came out on Monday, Tuesday. I was uh, tested for the antibodies, and that came back positive. And my COVID test came back negative. And then when I went down to give my plasma, they tested me again. So I had two two negative two two negative tests back to back. And the family have they all been tested? They've all been tested, and they none of them. Um, they had different, you know. It seems out through the time, different symptoms, but never. Um, but they all tested negative as well. Um, so, and they had the antibody test, and they were negative for that, meaning they never had the virus. So, um, so but, overall, what was the duration of time that you had this? Um, if we, if the the first indication was, it would have been February fourth, and. Um, the best I felt uh, symptom free was that Easter, so that was wow, um, that was about time. that was a long time. What do you think about that? It's it's not uncommon from what we've seen really across the country. 
Um, we've seen some people symptoms resolve and then they have two negative tests within 14 days and we've heard of people 45 days plus still test positive. It's been a, the one thing that's been consistent about this virus has been very inconsistent. Which makes it hard to manage. Well, it, yeah, it makes it hard, and then people don't really understand right. because you don't have much experience in right. it, right? And everything keeps changing. So, Scott, yourself, you have no pre-existing conditions, right? Correct. That they talk about any respiratory issues. You're not 60-plus or any of that. You're pretty active. I mean, not you yet. work for yep. the YMCA. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're not, a lot. you're not your typical stereotype person, vulnerable, um, like myself, we, for we instance. We would say it would be classified as high risk, 65 and older, right. comorbidities, diabetes, CHF, asthma. So that it can actually, risk. anybody can get this. Correct. Pretty much. Correct. Anybody can get it. The higher risk is the 65 and older. Where you, so. And I'm thinking with the relationship of following the, the Lake Creek basketball team. Um, there was some other parents with the basketball team that was tested positive. Sure. We know the story of Mr. Eaton, who was in a coma for an on the ventilator for 20 days and now is, is out and doing well. Um, that's the crew I was with, uh, slapping high fives, shaking hands. Um, I, we can't prove it, but I think just because of all the indicators there, that would more than likely be kind of the probably where I got it from because I, I, from this time up until recently, the only person um, within the Y that had any, um, any indication of having this at all. So, but, uh, but, you know, sports events, yelling, I know the, you know, the aspiration side of things, right. things that we're dealing with now of, of opening the Ys of, of keeping things. Um, and just today was the first day that we let people into the fitness centers with 25% occupancy huh. and, and socially distanced. And we've, we're strategically have been, two to three weeks behind the, what the norms are. So um, just to make sure we can learn from others. And, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, it's something that's definitely, I, I look, look at things differently. Do you um, tell yeah. me about that? How is life different for you now that you're recovering? Well, being by yourself for 18 days makes you think. I can't imagine. Uh, <laughs> you know, thank God for HBO and, and cell phones yeah. and things like that. But um, I really didn't tell anybody. I mean, my family knew, my HR people, my direct supervisors knew. But It was private. I, it, it was because I didn't. I, you didn't I, go on I, social media, Woodforce no, Neighbors, until, all that. Yeah, <laughs> until, until it was all done because I didn't want, I know my I've got a lot of family and friends on there. There's nothing they could have done um and it would have been more managing and worrying about all what of that they're trying the drama to do. yeah and i, I didn't yeah. need that so but i, I posted a, a post that i got some great feedback after it was done mm -hmm. and just really put things in perspective of you know spending time with people that you, you love and you care about and family and friends but uh yeah it's that's a long time it's a so long what would time you say be... going forward right now i mean what what is your feeling on coronavirus today well it's kind of it's it's i've got i'm I'm still divided in a certain way too, because I've I had to furlough and unfortunately let some people go that uh, were close to me. You know, when you when you work in an organization such as the Y, you become real close with the people that you work with, mm -hmm. and so I'm torn in the fact that the um, it's impacted them and they're not getting paid and they're having to look for different jobs. And this is not the best time to be looking for jobs. But I also know from the safety side, you need to be healthy and be alive to be able to have a job. So um, you know, I've got mixed emotions there. Um, and yeah, it's, it puts things in perspective, especially, you know, how do you conduct and, yourself personally? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm more conscientious of washing my hands and, um, using the hand sanitizers. I do wear a mask when we're at work. Um, I left it in the car to get in here today, but, um, you wear it in the grocery store. 
I do not. I, I, I have that, I don't know if it's good or bad, but that antibody um, feeling in me that uh, some people say that I, I'll, I won't get it again, and there's some that say that I could, so not to be too... But we I'm don't not, know that. Do we know? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. You know it depends on who you talk to, right? So, <laughs> But I also feel that... Um, I'm also more conscientious when I'm in the the, the um, grocery stores that um, of how close I'm getting to people. So I'm still trying to be. Do you shake hands? I don't. Do you hug? I, I will do the bump. If I know them um, and they initiate, I'll, you're I'll accept. you're that kind of guy. Yeah. You do normally yeah. shake hands and right. so, yeah. friendly. Yeah. And even at, <laughs> even at work, it's, it's different because people that you see and, and things. But it's that awkward... Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you should, shouldn't, yeah. but then we. You, you want know, we to, but back. you feel like no, yeah. maybe it's not appropriate. And then now too, with the new numbers that have been coming out these next couple, these last couple of days, and 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 people have been saying there's going to be a spike in the mid June, and here we are, and Hello. it looks like the numbers are going going up again. So yeah. It's going to change things, and. Um, so how we'll we see. It. Yeah. So okay, let's talk about that. Okay. Let, let's talk about where we're at today versus where we were at, say, even last month. What's changed? What do we know more about and why the spike? I know that has a lot of stuff on that. No, that, that, that's good. So we, we've had a similar plan at, at Montgomery County Hospital District that you had with the Y. As the county went into phase one with the state, we sat back and we wanted to wait seven to ten days and, and see the response. Some of the things that have happened now, so we track day-by-day day hospitalizations and active number of cases, and we were on a good streak. We were 12 out of 14 days, active cases going down, and now we've had an increase, so we're at 13 of 18 days of active cases um, going down. So what we're, we look at, there's, there's several factors, right? We've had a much more increase in the number of available tests. So, for example, the governor um, put a mission to the fire departments across the state to test every licensed nursing home in the state, and he gave us a two-week window to do that. And we were able to partner with the fire departments in the county and test all 12 licensed nursing facilities, including staff. So that's several, that's almost 2,000 people considering staff and the number of patients. So that alone is going to show more positive cases. So increased number of tests. And then as we open up, we do interact more with each other. And there's going to be some spread associated um, with opening the county back up. Those would be the two things, access to test and, and, and opening up. So... Let's talk about the hospitals. Okay. Um, we have four or five hospitals here yes, in Montgomery County, and um, but only one of them keeps COVID cases, correct? Correct. So each hospital system for us, we're, we're so fortunate in Montgomery County that we have some of the best health care um, in, in the country. So we have the med center like 60 miles south, and then we have our, our little mini med, med medical center here. In Montgomery County and they're part of large hospital systems and each system develops a plan that's going to work for their system so for example HCA's plan was when they had positive cases let's say at Kingwood and in Conroe they were going to move all of those patients to Tomball and Tomball was named their hero hospital and they had a whole ward dedicated with all the PPE all the staff and the ventilators to manage those patients so although that person who went to Conroe counts as an active case in Montgomery County they won't count as a hospitalization because they're hospitalized in Harris County. Methodist does something similar, and uh, Memorial Hermann is keeping their patients in the county, and St. Luke's as well are keeping their patients in the so county. So it's just something that they choose 
Correct. Independently yeah. of Independent. what they're going to yeah, do. That's their hospital system. Right. So they may specialize on. in something else. Correct. Um, it's bed space. It's staffing. There's a lot of decisions that go into how they're going to do that. And then our job is to support their missions and make sure that our patients are getting good care. And a lot of those patients who got moved out of the county were moved by our ambulances, uh, which is some of the best transfer medicine and, and in pre-hospital health care and in the transfer side as well. So we're, we're happy to support the mission for the county. Um, in, in that way. And what's unique, too, to think about the hospitalizations is, for example, part of the Woodlands is in Harris County. So if you're in northern Harris County mm -hmm. and you want to come to Montgomery County for health care, you have that ability. We've got great hospitals here. So if you're a Harris County resident and you go to the hospital in Montgomery County, your hospitalization is not going to count because you're not a Montgomery County resident. Now, we see statistics on the back end for all the hospitals, but that's separate from what we see on our daily reports that go to the county. Our job is to monitor the region and see how the hospitals are doing and how they're filling up. So that's how we predict how it's going to influence EMS and hospital volume, specifically in the emergency department is where we're interested in, and then how that relates to ICU volume. So I think, I think we kind of answered this, but one of the questions was um, 469 active cases and they're self-isolating at home. Who's monitoring their self? Yeah, self so it's, it's isolation. Yeah, it's it's if you look at the the wording, it's self monitoring with supervision. So as you said, the county checked on you a few times. Our health department, Montgomery County Public Health Department, we're on the same campus. So right. the EMS and, and public health are on the same campus, and they've now they've done a really innovative idea. They've developed a form that can come to your phone and each day if you're home during self-monitoring you log in with your temperatures and then that goes immediately to public health and then they'll say you're still symptomatic or you've recovered based on the CDC guidelines. So the health department's monitoring that either by phone call or through that do that. Do they do that daily form. or how often? Daily. Daily. But okay. If, if, so they are keeping check they're on keeping everybody. Check, yeah. And if anybody um, has a, a significant increase in symptoms or someone is symptom free, they get an alert. So then they know this person's recovered. They'll call, they'll check on them. Mm -hmm. Or if their symptoms increase, maybe their fever spikes, they can monitor that as well. So if you think about the number of cases, having to call 480 people, That's 69 people. people every day takes up a lot of time sure <laughs> as well as other things that the oh, public absolutely. health department's doing. So did, um, did that evolve? Cause early on, I know they made, they made uh, site visits to people um, that they, um, some of the friends through through the school that my son goes to. They actually came out and did that, and then it seemed like that tapered off because of the volume. Sure. So public health, um, we have a small public health department, considering we have about 650,000 people in the mm -hmm. county. So early on when we were going through this, we have community paramedics. And working with public health, EMS, and the community paramedics, we were going to patients' houses. People didn't have thermometers. Well, you need to have a thermometer. So we were delivering food, delivering thermometers, wow. doing checks, doing some testing of family members on home at home, using telehealth with some of our physicians. And the volume, mm -hmm. as you said early on, it, it, it increased pretty quickly. So. Okay. I think we're going to take a quick break. And... Uh, just to give you guys some time to think about things sure. and regroup. And we'll be right back. And this is sponsored by Roger Stein Chiropractic. Since 2004, Roger Stein Chiropractic has offered spine and joint manipulation services to residents of Montgomery County and surrounding areas. Conditions treated include lower back pain, migraines, 
headaches, whiplash, carpal tunnel, neck pain, sciatica, joint pain, sports injuries, herniated discs, and complications from pregnancy. Roger Stein Chiropractic, led by Dr. Stacy Rogers and Dr. Brian McGee, is an integrity-verified chiropractic clinic. Call 936-441-9990 for an appointment or visit rogersteinchiropractic.com. That's R-O-D-G-E-R-S-S-T-E-I-N, chiropractic.com. Did you know that there are over 153 million orphans in the world today? The sad reality is 99% of those kids will likely never be adopted. Core Love is an organization right here in Conroe that takes care of orphan children in Haiti, Honduras, and India. We bring the love of Jesus by providing their six basic needs of clean water, proper food, health care, education, job skills, and a loving home. Visit corelove.org. That's C-O-R-E-L-U-V.org. Will you help defend the orphan? The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Remember to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on your computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. Lone Star Community Radio broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Okay, so more conversation about the coronavirus, what's really going on. And again, I'm here with Scott Harper, and he is a um, someone who has had COVID and recovered from it. So he's telling us about his experience and going forward, what he's doing. Um, and then we are also here with... Uh, uh, Chief James Campbell of the Montgomery County Hospital District, and he is giving us true facts and things about what you can do, what's important. I mean, okay, so there's just so much. We could there's, talk there's for a, a long time there about is. this. But let's talk about the things that people are really concerned about. So uh, last week there was a spike, and you said that they're t- they've already tested all the nursing homes. Correct. But then there was a spike uh, for the uh, detention center. The Joe Corley Center. Now, that is not an ICE place detention center, is it? There's two facilities that are in Montgomery County. One of them's federal, which we don't really have any jurisdiction over, and then one of them is the is the county jail. Okay, so the Joe Corley is is the federal is the federal is one. The That's federal. the ICE detention center. So we're not testing from that site. They're testing and reporting results. Okay, did that. Ha- did that factor into the spike we had last week? 
I would have to look with public health on where the cases came from. I don't, okay, I don't know. Okay, you don't I'm really not 100% know. Certain. Okay, so the ones, um, there were some in the county jail, though. There have been in any time close contact facility, nursing homes, right, jails, your risk for increasing cases goes up because they're in close contact. So why the spike suddenly? That, that's a good question. You know, that's, I think that's the question that everybody is wanting one pinpoint answer to. And it's, there, there really isn't anything to directly say that it's this. I do think we're testing more people, so we're going to have more cases. One of the things that is a contributing factor to that is people who test positive that don't have any symptoms. So we released the voucher program through the public health department where you could get a voucher from MCHD to go get a test. And you could be symptomatic or asymptomatic and receive a test. So if you just thinking in your head, I want some peace of mind, I'm going to go get tested. Well, then you end up positive and you say, I've been feeling great. I didn't think I had any symptoms. Those, and then you have potentially spreading that to other people in, that you're in close contact with could be a contributing factor. Um, and then Do you opening, think everyone should be tested? So the problem I think with everybody getting tested is I can get test. I could leave here right now and go get a test and test negative. Right. Tomorrow I can come into contact with the virus unknowingly and three days from now test positive. So one test is the snapshot in time for everything up until that point. Tomorrow is a new day. And if, if I'm not being mindful of uh, hand hygiene, social distancing, I, I one test doesn't mean I'm good. It just means I'm good to that day. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So I think opening up, I mean, we, we were curious to see what was going to happen Memorial Day weekend. Um, people were out and about. We've been, everyone's been relatively cooped up, cooped up and wanting to spend time with family. You want to see your parents, your in-laws, your grandkids, all of the above. And uh, we just have to be mindful, um, have to be mindful of how we interact with others moving forward. There's not really one direct answer. More tests, and we've opened up a little bit. So, so the testing sites. I know uh, Lone Star Community Health Center is one of the testing sites. Correct. And they have extended hours. They do. And then there's one in the Woodlands. America's ER is a testing site. Okay. And, and there there was one, but they've closed down with mm -hmm. um, Woods Edge Church, I believe. Or something. That was the drive-through clinic that okay. America's was operating out of. Now they moved everything back to their main office They're, because okay. drive-through volume has gone down. There are several testing locations in the county, and if you're interested in finding out the locations, you can call the Montgomery County Hospital District. Uh, we have a, a kind of a COVID hotline. It's 936-523-5040, and we have call takers there Monday through Friday, 8 to 3.30, and they can give you all of the current up-to-date testing locations. And we don't know all the, all the information and logistics for the center, as some of it's a little bit different for each facility, but we did want to be that resource to try to connect you with what facility works best for your testing needs. So that's the best place to go find that's out. That's the best source of information in the county, yes, ma'am. So, all right, so we've had a spike. So what does that mean exactly? I know you don't really necessarily know truly where it's coming from or why, but we should all be wearing masks when we go out publicly in social distancing. What is your recommendation from the hospital district? Yeah, so from the hospital district, what we've done since the beginning and will continue to do is follow CDC guidelines. That's the best source of information. And CDC guidelines is when you're out in public at the grocery store, the recommendation is to wear some sort of mask and then be mindful of social distancing and hand hygiene. Now, there's always a lot of questions about masks. Which mask do I wear? Which mask offers me the best protection? And really, that's kind of a three-prong 
and based on level of protection. So for example, all of our paramedics on the ambulance, they wear an N95, something we're probably all familiar with now. That offers the highest level of protection that you can really get in a disposable mask. And then it comes to a surgical mask or a cloth mask. Those are probably the two that- Such as what you have on. So I have a surgical mask on. Mm -hmm. So the cloth mask doesn't offer any protection from, from like if I sneeze or I cough, it keeps that from spraying everywhere but it doesn't keep me from breathing in any. It doesn't have the same material that a surgical mask does. The best thing that a cloth mask does is it reminds you to not touch your face. I touch my face all day long normally. And I rest my hand on my face when I'm thinking. If I'm writing notes, I have my hand, scratch my nose. The cloth mask keeps us from doing that. It's the reminder. It's the reminder that COVID is still a risk. The surgical mask, if I cough or sneeze in this room, it protects you from my cough and sneeze. So do you wear a mask to protect you? That's the other controversy, to protect you or to protect others? <laughs> well, I think it depends on your situation. <laughs> so, so, so for us, right, so one of our biggest goals uh, as an EMS agency is we have to keep our paramedics safe so they can do the mission, which is take care of the people of Montgomery County. So for me, when I'm out in public, I do wear a mask because I'm in a position where I don't want to miss work. I don't want to be in isolation for 14, 20 days because I want to help lead the organization. Protect you. So I you want, wear it to protect you. I wear it to protect me. And it, it, but also, if I have a cough, I'm going to... So it's both. It's both, right. So it, I have heard that you only wear a mask if you are susceptible to something, if you already have um, contagious something. But that's not true. I wear it for both those reasons, both, too. Right. Yeah. I think it's about evaluating and then limiting risk. So every time I wear a mask, I'm limiting risk of contracting the virus. And if I were asymptomatic and positive, no symptoms and tested positive, if I've had a mask on, that limits the exposure to the people who have been around me. So I don't want to risk my family, my coworkers. So I wear it um, when we're in, in tight, tight, tight places. But outside is better, right? Outside is Let's talk about ideal. Outside. <laughs> outside is ideal. So um, I'm trying to think, like, what are some outside events, um, things like that. So if you're doing social distancing and outside, it's, it makes it much harder to contract the virus. So it's droplet. If I cough and the droplets land here and you touch here and touch your face, that's, very, that's one of the most common ways the virus is spread. When you're outside, there aren't common surfaces. You're mostly... Um, at arm's length outside, as opposed so, to being in a restaurant. So like a brewery that has the live music and all of that, as long as you're keeping appropriate distance, that's possibly okay. Outside is, is if we're going to do something, outside would be the ideal yes. place to be in a gathering, being mindful of what the governor's rules are for occupancy. Now, I wouldn't mean we could all get on the dance floor and start dancing together. Um, that would be the opposite of what or we should do. Or do a protest. Do. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some associated <laughs> risk with protest. Um, and for us, um, on the EMS side, our, our job and function is, is healthcare, is to take care of patients. And we don't get into the who's, what's, where's, and all of that associated with what's going on. We're just there to offer healthcare. Public health. Public yep. health. That's yep. exactly right. So when is this ending? You know, we say that all the time. We think that are we just going to come in on a Monday and say it's over? We're done. And that's, that's every day looks less and less likely. So, I mean, that's what people, I think, thought that, okay, everything's open, so it's gone away, right? Isn't that kind of what they think in their head? 
the average person that, okay, businesses are opening. It's We're okay. allowed to gather. We can go into restaurants. We're at 75% now at restaurants right. capacity. So that means we're good. It means yeah. we're good that we can get out, um, but it doesn't mean that we have to stop doing all the of the things stuff. that are keeping us safe. Correct. Ultimately, so, it falls to, to us, right? We can overcome this hurdle and flatten things back out again. We just have to do it together as a group, right? We have to keep the precautions in we mind. We have to keep the precautions in, in mind. You still have to limit risk um, wherever you feel like it's best limited for you and your, and, and your family. When I was giving my blood, they I asked for the plasma, and the, what, what they're using it for, and they said, one, they're treating it because there's, there's signs of those that have the antibodies that help expedite some of the recovery, but the rest of it, they were stockpiling because it could be frozen to up to a year um, for the fall because they they really feel that the spike we're seeing now is, is minimal is minimal compared to what's going to happen again in the traditional flu season. And so that was probably more telling to me um, of why it's important for me to continue to keep giving. Yeah, it's is a the great fact idea. That because... You know, we're, I think it's one of those things, too, and I think a lot of these businesses are opening and there's been pressure because they have to. If they if they went any longer, another month, they're never going to open it ever again. And so I think that's where it gets really political on what governor says what and who's writing the checks to reelect them um, to to push for things. As you see, different states are doing different things at different different rate rates, but... I think some just actually had to, had to open, and I think that's what why we're seeing it now. But this fall is going to be, I'd like to, you know, what's your opinion on that? Because they're, 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 they're that? prepping for that. We are absolutely preparing for the fall. We're making sure that we have good PPE and adequate PPE for the fall. We're working every day as hard as we can to keep our staff safe so that we can have ambulances and everything on the road for the, for the fall. And regardless of there's COVID or no COVID, we still respond to over 200, 200 calls a day. And the county's counting on, at, on us to provide that service. And, and, and we want to be there when, when they call. So we are preparing for the fall. And I think you bring a good point, sir, about, um, about your, your, your antibody and the plasma is that if you look at the deaths in the country, 80% of the deaths, 80% of the death rate is in the high-risk population, 65 and older. So if looking at our numbers in Montgomery County, only about 2% right now, 2% of the Montgomery County residents, if we have 10 hospitalizations or in the hospital, that means 98% of people at home, healthy individuals, aren't dying at a very high rate. So we talk a lot about herd immunity. And if, if more people, if more of the population has the virus than not over a long period of time, that gives you an opportunity to move forward. And it doesn't mean everybody needs to rush out and try to get coronavirus, but we have to protect the high-risk population first, then we have to figure out where we're going to go from there. So what about a vaccine? There's lots of talk about that. What have you heard about that? The, vac the, the, the same thing that everybody else hears, that we're at least a year away from getting a vaccine that's adequate. And for us, we try to, in the back of an ambulance, limit our exposures. So our crews are wearing masks, N95s, on every response, as we talked about earlier. And we thought, well, maybe it would be August 1st. We wouldn't wear masks anymore in the ambulance. And then now we think we might not be able to stop wearing N95s right. until we have a vaccine. Just to protect our crews, to protect other patients, and to keep everything, everybody as safe, everybody as, safe, safe. as we can. So you really believe that, uh, and the organization, Montgomery County Hospital District, 
that this is not going away very soon. It's something we just need to be accustomed to taking our precautions, like the CDC requirements, the guidelines, and um, knowing that it's still there. Correct. And so it's also compared to the flu a lot of times. What do you think about that? Uh, The flu is a good comparison um, in the fact that uh, in spread and the amount of people it impacts across across the world, but I think that the newness of this virus and the way that it has, you've heard the term are not maybe on CNN, that's how contagious it is. Um, this virus spreads quickly. So far, it's outlasting the heat, but we still have a lot of hot summer left to go. So we're... But we don't really know. We don't really know. It's very soon. <laughs> we don't really it's know. Very soon. Could it change? So Who knows? We don't know. We, 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 we don't know. just don't know. And the thing of it is, yes, people die from the flu, but... The flu doesn't attack your whole respiratory, and people have to be on respiratory breathing uh, machines, do they? There is the there is the possibility that if you if you do get the flu, it could develop into where you could end up on a ventilator. It just the, the rate that it's happened with this virus has been what's I don't know the right word been the most. Um, it's what we've been able to, which we're watching more closely, right? Right, the, the, right, to right. To see the rate of ventilator use with this virus. Um, has been an eye-opener. And do we have a lot of ventilators available in the hospitals? Should we have a surge? We do. Every morning we get a report from the region, and then our team, we look at the report and we look at open ICU beds in the county, how many ventilators we have available in the county, and uh, we've been working together in great partnership with our hospitals to make sure that we're all on the same page with care. Every one of our ambulances, in fact, has a ventilator as well as uh, a medication pump to help manage patients as well. Now, I've also seen that your chances of living if you're put on a ventilator are not good. Is that true? I think that that's that's a broad statement. I think it depends on your core comorbidity. So um, uh, do you have diabetes? Do you have pre-existing lung disease, COPD? Are you a smoker? So everyone is a different case. Everyone is a different case. And a ventilator... The purpose of going on a ventilator is you're, you're put into a medically induced coma. Mm-hmm. They breathe for you with the ventilator, and it allows your body to heal and recover. Sounds scary. We have seen some, you know, there's some significant damage that can happen to the lungs with, with coronavirus and some, it's been new medicine, right? We have a, we're all aware of storms in Montgomery County and floods, and we're trained, and we can respond to those, and our crews stay very busy um, during those times. What's been unique about this is we've had to develop procedures and policies that don't exist, and we're reaching out across the country. Who's doing this? How are you managing these patients? And the whole healthcare system is doing that as a whole. So it's it's we're, it's been a new experience that um, we've been able to thus far manage well at Montgomery County. So, do you believe the county response has been really good? Unbelievable! On this? I've I've been here in the county for two years, and I can't just two years. Just two years. <laughs> Um, and it gives me it gives me goosebumps to think about it. Just Montgomery County Office of Emergency Management, all the hospitals, law enforcement, the way that we've come together um, to manage this has been unbelievable, unbelievable. The, the the amount of hours and just passion and concern for how we're going to get through this, not as individual departments, but together as a county, is is remarkable. As a community, and um, I know Scott, you have seen that because you've lived here or been in here and worked in this community for a long time. I, it's so different from Harris County. 
you know, of course, Harris County is much larger, of course, but this is really, everybody kind of knows each other and helps each other and comes together. And I think, you know, it's happened before with Harvey. It's happened with other hurricanes. It happened with Ike. People just roll up their sleeves. There isn't somebody saying you need to do this, but they do. Everybody comes together. And I think this is another situation where public health, the hospital the district, um, Montgomery County, uh, what is it now? Um, OEM, Office yeah, of Homeland Office Security. Yeah, Office of Emergency Management and all that. Mm -hmm. Yes, they all come together to give reports daily, you know, which I'm sure takes a lot of work to do that. And, yes, you can't do it on the weekends because you don't have the staff and whatever. You know, uh, people don't realize that uh, you're not the largest department either. And you're Correct. also doing other things, which goes back to the don't wait campaign, right? Correct. And that people, if they have any emergency or if they can't breathe, Scott, or they feel like their lungs are collapsing, they, they need they need to go to the emergency room. Or At call least 9 call 911 and let us send an ambulance with paramedics and with the equipment and give you an evaluation. We can listen to your lungs. We can check. We can take a look at your heart within a, with an EKG and we can give you some guidance. And our recommendation is, is to go to the hospital but if you sit at home and you're nervous or you, you're scared to go because you can't have a visitor or you're scared to go because you think you might get coronavirus at the hospital, just call 911 and let us see you. Let us lay hands on you and give you a good, proper medical assessment, and we can make decisions together based off of that. So it sounds to me like the hospitals are one of the most sanitized places right now, that they're on top of it. Correct. They, they have been. So in, in EMS across the board when this started, we saw a drop in EMS volume by as much as 20%. And, and even on hospitals, unfortunately, they've had to furlough their employees, nurses, and various other members of their teams because their, their census was low, sometimes below 50%. So there's space in the hospital. They're cleaning regularly, um, and, and they're, they're prepared to handle these time-sensitive emergencies that they do so well every day. So, in our limited time we have left, what is your overall feeling of the whole pandemic and how life has changed since March? <laughs> well, for me, I think, too, it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing how something um, can affect everyone, right? It's it not is. just, I mean, we've had different things, and, and we've seen... You know, hurricanes, the supply chains of the Home Depots and all the things all rally together and get those get the equipment to the generators to that that one area. Um, that didn't happen this with this time. Everything was strained when it comes to you know the toilet paper thing you know issue, um, and so it, it also questions like if if this the why and the way we're restructuring and doing things. If it was just the why right now, I'd really be questioning if that's where I wanted to be working, but it's everybody's having to do it. It's across really the world. across the world. And <laughs> so um, I think it's changed. And then what, how do we, if it's coming back in this fall, it's how do we respond without having to go through um, the economic side of lockdowns? Things? Yeah. And so um, that might be the only way to respond if you're in a certain age group or if you're a certain time as well. So I think that's where it's changed. I mean, it, and it's not a win. it's, it's not if, but it's when this happens again. It's it's how do we respond? Because one of the interesting things when I got my res results back from the from the flu, there was eighteen other covids that I had, and I never heard the name word covid in any other test ever until covid nineteen. So it will mutate, it will change, it will come back um, in some way. But hopefully, the medicine and technology can get out in front of it with the vaccines and those type of things. So it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting and. You know, 
learning opportunities for all of us of how, you know, just the hygiene of who we are and how we act should should be heightened. Brings it to the, the out, out in your face. And it is real. And, I mean, you're here to say it's a real thing. This isn't a made-up political Yeah. People like Whatever. to put, put those spins on that, but I, I can attest. <laughs> Somebody didn't buy this to get this yeah. out here. Yeah. And, and you've done so well. Forth. I mean, you look great. Yeah. You look great. It's been good. I've played played my golf and mowed the yard. Well, okay. And, there you um, go. So I like to blame. You go more than 300 yards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The cart's coming But that's a good though. thing. And yeah. you look back on that and go, wow, I am doing pretty good. Yep. You know? I'm, I'm a fortunate one. Have you changed other things in your life because of that? No, I mean, I, I would say yes, but you know, the why and, and the capacity that it's in, it's not open. And so, the, the basketball I was playing on a weekly basis is not an option right now because you're sweating and in close proximity. So that's one of the last things that will probably come back within the why. But you know, just being active and getting outside, I think I spend more time outside. Um, but has your mindset been different? I think it's not. I think it's. It might be a little different, but I think it's how I move forward. It's like I said, being more aware of my surroundings, how close I am to people. Before, I was always the high five and the hugger, right? And yeah. so now that's that's different. Um, so yeah. I think that changes. Um, and I think, too, the technology of, of how much work we've been able to do via Zoom, um, we're getting rid I of our Zoom. downtown office um, because of that, because we've been able to oh. run our uh, and, and do it effectively. Um, so, More efficiency. Yeah. And so, you know, spending four hours a day driving around talking to different people. I mean, there's still I, I miss that part of it. But I know also we can be just effective by getting on online, having a conversation with somebody and getting off. So I think that's a huge change. That's a lot of people's. I think a lot of businesses to, are starting to go that way. It's having right, the big corporate are. buildings, you know, let people work from home and check in on once or LMC, twice a week. Yeah, LMC yeah. call, you talked about how you feel more closer to your group um, now than you did before because you're, you're, you're talking to them on a weekly basis right. or daily basis. Right. Versus yeah, so Mr. Johnson, he's our CEO, he mentioned. So some of mm -hmm. our departments are working from home billing. Um, some of the IT people have been able to work from home and, and, and help us make, make us more efficient. And we've been more efficient as an organization with some of our folks working from home. And then um, our team, the internal kind of command structure from MCHD all the way down to each ambulance, um, we did a Zoom every night when it was kind of hot and heavy, about 7 o'clock. And to see some pictures of our crews at the dinner table watching us on Zoom, getting the information, it just made me proud to be a part of an organization where we were able to kind of come together um, through an event that's been the longest one that we've had to manage, you know, kind of really in It's history. family. It's, it's kind family. of a family yeah, kind of feeling, is. right? It is. A, a closeness without physically having that contact, but yet you're still interacting on their terms, more or less. Right. So um, I think it unites you a little more. It has. You know? It certainly has. Okay. So how many, where are we at, Dick? We have a couple minutes. Anything else you want to add, either one of you, about this? I'll just say there was the question things. about, was I, you know, did I feel like I was spreading or have a concerns? I think a big indicator on that is that the fact that my family wasn't, infected and, and, and got sick was probably a good indication that we, um, once I knew that that's probably what it was, or we felt it, that, you know, doing the isolation and being very stringent on that. Um, and then even before that and practicing social distancing, um, where my desk was in my office and where people would stop at the door, it's probably 
a 15 foot um, a 15 foot barrier that we that we had just that's, that was kind of the stopping point when we ever had conversation so I'm lucky that I, I was not I had I had the opportunity to to spread it um, um, before but I'm glad that we caught it when we did and yeah. I was able to just um, Absolutely. You know, follow, follow those guidelines and yeah there was times I'd want to just walk around the house and see something different but it, I knew <laughs> if I did and I was that was a selfish move on my part and it wasn't about you know I wasn't thinking of the other oh, so that's I, scary. I never did that so when I did um, did do my walks she would open all the doors and then I would just walk out and then she would close them and then I would kick them with my foot or something <laughs> if I had to but but yeah makes you makes you think a little differently now yeah, absolutely. I, I know I have uh, reset priorities in my mind of what's important and what's not important. So we'll see what happens um, in the coming weeks. We will. The coming months and how people take care of themselves, their uh, physical closeness to other people and considerations and things like that going forward. Y'all are doing a wonderful job. Thank you. We'll I be here. appreciate yeah. you coming out here and informing us all about uh, this information. Happy to do it. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well, that's a wrap for today. And uh, this YouTube video will be out uh, later on today or tomorrow. And we will share that. So if you missed it, uh, please share this with your friends. So thank you very much. I'm Margie Taylor, uh, Taylor Eyes PR, and this is Conroe Culture News. Today's show was recorded and broadcasted live on IRLoneStar.com, Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and all rights and ownership are reserved to Lone Star Community Radio. For more information regarding this program and Lone Star Community Radio, visit us online at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's community radio station, serving the community with local programming on TV, radio, and online. If you enjoyed today's program, please support us by sponsorship or starting your own show. Contact us today by phone or text at 936-666-1084 or email the station at lscrstudios at gmail.com.